The following production is part of the We Be Geeks podcast collective. From days long ago, from uncharted regions of the universe, comes a legend. The dream that came through a million years, that lived on through all the tears. It came here, the Fandom Nexus. Fabulous secret powers were revealed to our host as he plugged in his microphone. I have a podcast! Here he is, your Spider-Pan, Jeremy. That's right, is your Spider-Pan, Jeremy. We've got a great show for you this week. We're going to go back to Planet Comic Con, Kansas City, and hear the second panel that I presented. This time I have some special guests, including Kay Mallins and Sumner returning, to talk about Marceline, Missouri, Walt Disney's childhood home, and go and talk about the museum, all the wonderful things you can see in Marceline, the impact that Marceline had on Walt that shaped his future. It is a great show. You're not going to want to miss this. Make sure you tell all your friends this show is where it's happening. Uh, It's a good long enough panel that we're just going to flow right into it. So here it is. Uh, My name is Jeremy. I'm frequently known as the Spider Pan. What was once the Neverland podcast, which became Neverland to Disney and beyond. But if you print that on a T-shirt, Disney will come after you. So, now I am Neverland, the Phantom Nexus, and I cover a lot less Disney because I'm more of a vintage Disney fan than I am of a modern Disney fan, even though I'm still enjoying The Mandalorian. Thank you very much. That is an awesome show. So, so I'm still running a podcast. been doing this now for, uh, I think, I, yeah, I'm in my 10th year, and it was like even very early on. Back when we had the Kansas City Comic Con, I had uh, Kay come down. This, by the way, is Kay Mallins. You've seen her. Uh, and Peter Whitehead, who you saw. Peter Whitehead is no longer there with the museum, but uh, now Sumner is there. And I just got to meet him on Friday. Was anybody here on Friday for us to talk about Walt's impact in Kansas City? Oh, yeah, I recognize a few faces. So this, I told everybody, so you got to come back on Sunday because you got to hear about Marceline. And if you've never been to Marceline, hopefully by the end of this, you're going to be convinced that you must have to go. It is phenomenal. Uh, but as I was saying before, this is Kay Mallins. Uh, you are the still director, or to call you a curator, I guess it's the. I don't know. We wear many hats. Wear many hats. Yeah. Yeah, you might want to pull the thing closer because I don't know how loud these things are. Uh, but Kay Mallins, of course, uh, from the museum, and also Sumner, and I was, is it Redinger? I forgot. What was uh, that? Nesbitt. Sumner Nesbitt. Nesbitt. Yeah. Why did yeah. I always get Redinger? I have no idea where that came from. Okay. So. But uh, I was told that they have a great way to introduce, so I'm going to just sit back for a bit. Okay, yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and get it started. Uh, I'm going to kind of give a little bit of history on how the Disney family got to Marceline because they're not actually originally from there. So uh, the city of Marceline was actually uh, incorporated in 1888, and it was a city essentially built by the Santa Fe Railroad. Uh, there was a, a, a big railroad station there, train depot, and it's much larger than, uh, than a railroad station for a city that size would typically have because we're just that first stop outside of Kansas City, and we're known as, as an exchange point. So that's where the crews would get off and exchange uh, because, you know, Kansas City was too big of a big bustling uh, place to do that at. So they wanted a smaller community to, uh, to do those sorts of things. And so the city was essentially built around this train depot. Uh, Elias Disney, Walt's father, uh, he had a brother named Robert, Uncle Robert, and uh, Robert actually bought property in Marceline as Marceline started to grow and started booming, and he encouraged his uh, his brother Elias to move his family out there. Now, Elias was looking for a place to move his family to because uh, they were in Chicago, and he had two older sons, uh, much older than Walt, uh, that was Herbert and Raymond, and Herbert and Raymond were teenagers at this time, and uh, they had some acquaintances, some friends that started getting in trouble with the law and things like that, and Elias started to get a little concerned that his sons and his family would be influenced by this sort of uh, culture. And so Elias decided to take his brother's advice, and he was going to move to Marceline and become a farmer. Now, Elias had no previous experience farming and had uh, really, uh, (laughs) he he really had no idea what he was doing, but he certainly knew he had two workers, uh, which was his sons, Herbert and Raymond. 
Now, uh, Elias, Herbert, and Raymond uh, came separately to Marceline, whereas Walt and his older brother Roy and his little sister Ruth came with their mother Flora by train. Now, that's going to be pretty significant because uh, Walt has said he's got really no memory of his time in Chicago, but he does remember that train ride coming into Marceline. Uh, he was four years old at the time. It was 1906. They rolled in to the exact same uh, location that now the Walt Disney Hometown Museum is at. The Walt Disney Hometown Museum is located in Marceline's old train depot. And so the family moved uh, to Marceline, and Walt Disney has said that's where he found the magic of his life. And it's really significant to Walt because this was his time to be a kid. Um, you know, he got to do things here uh, that he never would have had uh, been able to do elsewhere, especially in a city-type setting. Walt uh, developed his uh, love for animals and nature here, being on a farm. Uh, Walt developed his uh, creativity. I mean, this is where he began telling stories, and this is where he began drawing for the first time. He also started school here. Uh, he saw his first uh, 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 movie there in Marceline, and he also saw his first live stage play, which was Peter Pan, which greatly affected him. And, uh, but uh, Marceline was really significant to Walt, and it stuck with him for, you know, even long after he left Marceline. And uh, in fact, uh, his two older brothers uh, didn't feel the same way, though. Uh, Herbert and Raymond longed for their city life. And so Herbert and Raymond uh, actually one night uh, snuck out of the, of the Disney house and hopped a train back to Chicago, uh, which left Elias Disney without his two workers. Uh, because of that, uh, and also Elias had uh, some health issues, uh, because of those two factors, the Disney family decided they uh, were going to have to move out of Marceline. And so eventually, uh, Walt was nine at this time, they moved to Kansas City. And that's where Elias put Walt to work uh, on a newspaper route for the Kansas City Star. Now, uh, something really significant uh, about Walt is, uh, you know, not, not just having Marceline was important to him, but also the losing of Marceline was significant as well, because as soon as Walt left Marceline, he was put to work, uh, you know, selling, uh, you know, on this newspaper route. And uh, had Walt stayed in Marceline, you know, any longer, he probably would have been put to work on the farm as well. And he may not have had that same nostalgic uh, happiness feeling towards Marceline had he had to stay longer and work on the farm. But because the only true years he had to be a kid was those years in Marceline where he had little responsibility and all this creative free time, that's really what stuck with him. And that's really who, what shaped him into the person that he became. Uh, so the Disney family did leave Marceline in 1911 and uh, moved here to Kansas City where they stayed for, for several years. So uh, from that, uh, Kay, I'll let you take it from there. Okay. Well, you know, the Disney family moved a lot. Are, am I on? Can you guys hear me? Okay. Well, the Disney family moved a lot, which was kind of unusual for that time. Uh, Elias was always, they always owned their own home. They always, he always had an income, but he was always looking for that big deal you know so the Disney family moved a lot um, Walt spent a lot of his life trying to convince his father that cartooning was a good thing because he did not think it was a good thing so the time in Marceline as Sumner said was the most influential of Walt's life and if you think about his life good times his thoughts came back to Marceline bad times his thoughts came back to Marceline it was the hometown of his heart and he never ever really left us so as you learned in the, in the video, um, I first met Walt in 1956. Marceline had built a new swimming pool. We were the first town in our county to have a public swimming pool. And so they thought, okay, it is the first one. It has to have an important name. And so we said, let's see if Walt Disney let us name it Walt Disney Swimming Pool and Park, hoping he'd say yes. Well, he did say yes, and he asked, are you going to have a dedication of any kind? And we go, yeah, we sure could. And he said, well, I want to come. Roy wants to come, and our wives want to come. So it was in 1956 I first met Walt Disney. He was standing in my living room. Um, I was fairly precocious at that age, and I looked up at Walt Disney, and he said, what room are you going to sleep in? <laughs> and he looked at me, and he goes, well, what room should I sleep in? And I said, well, the pink one. So my claim to fame is a long time is that Walt and Lillian Disney stayed in my room. Um, it was on that visit that Walt and my father just kind of clicked. Um, you've all heard that Walt loved scotch mist. Well, my dad was a big bourbon guy. So they were sitting in our, in our family room and Walt looked at my dad and said, do you own my boys at home farm? And dad said, yes, I did. And Walt said, you can buy it cheaper than I can, go buy it. 
Walt was such a visionary. He said, there'll come a day when a child will not know what an acre of land is. There'll come a day when a child will not know what happens when you put a seed in the ground. So his idea was to have a turn of the century working farm in Marceline that would have Disney educational values. And so that was what they did. So as land came available, my dad would buy it for Walt. And it was interesting because as Walt started reimbursing my dad for all the land he was buying, uh, the checks were coming from Retlaw. <laughs> we didn't know what that was. But the checks were coming from Retlaw. And uh, this was a heart connection project for Walt and Roy. They weren't running this for the Disney company. They were running it through their own private company, which was Retlaw. Walter spelled backwards. And so that's what they were doing in Marceline. So the last 10 years of Walt Disney's life, I spent a lot of time with him. It was not unusual, because at that time we had seven passenger trains a day in Marceline. So it was not unusual for us to pick up the phone and you, some of us remember back in the day when phones are tethered to the wall. Uh, so you get the phone and you go, Dad, it's Walt. You know, so I pick up the phone and you go, okay, I gotta talk to your dad. And a lot of the times he'd go, I'm at the station, I had an idea, somebody pick me up. And sometimes he would pick the next train and go on, or sometimes he'd spend the night and then he would go on the next day. But we have actually drawings when you come to the museum, we have drawings that they did when in California, the Walt drawing, this is what the project's gonna be. Now we have to have trams that'll go this way. We have to have a pond over here. And so it was really, really important to Walt to have this project happening in Marceline. Uh, a funny story is that I, we always had our meetings with Walt. Sometimes we were at the house and I got to go swimming them, but sometimes they were at, at the studio. And I had not been in the studio uh, in Walt's office since I was there with Walt. And um, Becky Klein, after they redid the studio, called and said, you know, I was out there and she said, do you want to see the studio? I go, yeah. So I went in there and I go, man, my memory is wrong. So, you know, kind of the, the chairs were like green and there was a low table over here and everything else. And Becky, that's the head of the archives, can be very cheeky at moments. And she's, and she didn't say a word. And she says, well, now let's go in the other office. So we walked down the hall and she opened it. I'd always been in the working office. I hadn't been in the formal office. So I go, oh, there's a low desk, there's a green chair. So, you know, that was, that was very cool. And I also remember the first time I was there, I was 10. And um, my mother had made me a new white dress. And so I had white dress, white socks, white shoes, white gloves. And that's the back in the day when he dressed up. We go into his office and he hands me a glass of V8 juice. Yeah, Walt loved V8 juice. So if you were a kid, you got V8 juice. If you're an adult, whether you drank it or not, you got coffee. <laughs> and, and so we're sitting in his office, and I'm holding this with my little white gloves. I'm going, please do not let me spill this. Please do not. And I made it. It was fine. But I don't <laughs> like V8 juice. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah, I had to gag it down. So Ooh. there are lots of trips back and forth when they were planning this. And so it was during that time that I got to meet Walt's little sister, Ruth. I never got to meet Herbert and Raymond, but I knew Walt and Roy and I met his little sister Ruth. And Ruth was a friend of mine throughout my life. So Walt passes away and we get a letter from uh, Retlaw and said, and Will Roy called and he said, um, you know, two projects we're not gonna do after Walt passed and Marceline is one of them. So they sold all the land back to my dad and um, we thought, well, things were not going to happen then. But Walt had given us an amazing plan. And we had people like you good people just kept showing up in Marceline over and over and over to see what was there and what they should do. And we thought, oh my gosh, we need to do something. So we started out just with some high school kids that would give walking tours of the town, take you to all the Disney sites. Um, and by the way, when you come, we do have a map for you so you don't miss anything when you're in Marceline. And an awesome audio tour, by the way. Yeah, we have a QR code tour, too. It's really pretty cool. So, mm -hmm. um, so we uh, started out that way. And then I get a call from Walt's little sister, Ruth. And so I went out to visit her, and we're talking. And she goes, okay, you know, I want you to have my stuff, as you saw in the video. And so I didn't give it another thought. And Ruth passes away. And her only son, Ted, calls me and goes, you know, mom wants you to have her stuff. And this, I thought, okay. So I fly out to Oregon where she lived and 
That was before 9-11, and you could fly with an empty suitcase and nobody cared, you know. <laughs> so I thought there'd be enough stuff for an exhibit at City Hall or something, and they started taking stuff out of tops of closets and offering me beds, and I'm going, oh my gosh. And they had no idea what they had. No idea. So um, I said, this is going to take us a while because I'm not taking anything until you know what's in all those sacks and what <laughs> there is. So got some help from some friends at Nelson Atkins, and uh, we go out and we set up shop on their dining room table, and it took a, a while to get this done, lots of trips out there. They gave me a room in their house, and they, and they found things, they go, we put it in your room. I go, okay. <laughs> it was always a big surprise when I went out there to see what they put in my room. Um, but we documented 3,000 artifacts. Wow. And. Um, so we have a lot of stuff we haven't exhibited yet. Um, but it tells a story about how close the family was. They are extremely close, and they wrote all the time. I mean, that kind of concerns me today. We just go delete, delete, delete. You know, and here are all these wonderful handwritten letters back and forth where they're pouring their hearts out, you know, um, about what's happening. And a lot between Ruth and her mother, Flora, you know, and so Ruth, Flora had moved down, to, and, and Eliza moved down to be close to Walt and Roy. And so they, they're, they're babysitting, and suddenly they said, well, yeah, today so-and-so came, and somebody was like, oh my gosh, they, you know, all these people were interacting with them, and with Walt, what was really, really famous. And they were just taking it as everyday happening, you know. It was just part of what was going on with them. So um, get all these artifacts, come back and it kind of washed over me. I get to the end of their driveway. We, okay, they didn't want me to leave the, the collection. I was gonna ship it back. We had to get a crazy insurance. That's the reason I wanted to have everything documented. <laughs> and um, they didn't want me to leave the collection. And so we had to drive it back to Missouri. So I call my friend Debbie, who's a farm girl who knows all about engines and flat tires and all that kind of stuff. So she flies out and we get a U-Haul truck and. And uh, so I'm getting get ready to truck, and the guy goes, um, so you want the, you want insurance, you know, through us, and you know, we already had everything really insured. And um, he, I said, well, how much is it, and what does it cover? And he goes, it covers the contents of the truck, and it's $75. I go, done. <laughs> so, so anyway, we get it back to Missouri. Um, in the meantime, we thought, we need to have a place to do this. Uh, they were going to tear down our station. Have any of you been there? It's yeah, it's a beautiful old building that they were going to tear down. So like we strapped ourselves to it and said, you're not tearing it down. And um, we were able to purchase it. And so it took us a long time to be able to purchase it. Um, and we spent about two and a half million dollars just to get it stabilized and get it rolling. So uh, we got that done and we decided to Open the museum on September 23rd, 2011. 2001. 2001, yeah, thank you. 2001, well, what happened then? So uh, we had planned this celebration for three years. Our goal was to have 50,000 people in Marceline in three days. And so September 11th happened. So we thought, okay, are we gonna cancel? What are we gonna do? And we started getting calls literally from all over saying, don't you let them stop you. So we went ahead, had a celebration, opened the museum. We still had 35,000 people. The Disney authors and historians that were coming in from Europe, their flights got canceled. Mm. They couldn't get into the United States. It was so important for them to be there. They flew into Canada and we had to fax the program to the border guards and then for them to get in. But they wanted to be there. So it was a celebration of everything that is good and everything that is right about Disney. You know, it happened in his hometown, which is where, where it should have happened on that occasion. So from then, we are now in our 22nd year at the museum. Uh, we've continually grown as we could. And uh, we welcome people literally from all over the world in this small town. 
So um, I hope you will, those of you that haven't been there will come. Well, and I, I want to say a few things about Marceline uh, outside of the museum, because the museum is obviously uh, a big attraction in oh, Marceline, yeah. but it's not the only thing in Marceline. It's not the only thing with a, a Disney connection either. Uh, so there is also that original farm that Walt lived on. The Disney family farm is a place that you can visit. It doesn't cost anything to go to. It's open 365 days a year from uh, sunrise to sunset. And uh, it's actually, so the original structure um, that was there, the original uh, barn, uh, unfortunately did did collapse over the years uh, yeah that's a picture of it right there um, but uh, you know obviously Walt loved his his farm and if you know anything about Walt you know he loved trains as well and so uh, when Walt was living in California he had his own uh, one-eighth scale train in his backyard he called it the Carrollwood Pacific Railroad and uh, to house his train he actually built a replica barn uh, of uh, you know just uh, was a replica barn of the of the barn he had in Marceline uh, to house his train it was his workshop and everything like that and uh, unfortunately, uh, since the real barn had uh, had uh, collapsed uh, for Walt's 100th birthday celebration, uh, we actually were able to get uh, the original blueprint blueprints that Walt had for his home barn uh, to rebuild the barn in Marceline. So you can visit that uh, Walt's barn uh, in Marceline any day of the year. Uh, so that's something. Ignore in the two people. I don't know who they are. Well, and also <laughs> if you go, uh, make sure to bring a sharpie or something like that because there's signatures all inside the barn, and there's Disney legends and you know famous people that have come in there. And sign their names and you know if you search disney for them, podcasters yeah if you search for them sometimes you'll see like a disney <laughs> character or something like that that they drew it's yeah. it's really cool uh but uh, apart from don't put it on a window oh yeah don't do the window <laughs> but uh but uh, in addition to the uh the disney barn uh, as you saw in the video there's also the walt disney elementary school uh now the walt disney elementary school it isn't open to the public all the time but we do have special occasions where we uh, do offer tours and things like that inside there uh something really significant about the elementary school is much like the walt disney park and pool uh walt disney actually came back for the dedication ceremony of the elementary school as well and he actually donated every um every educational material uh, that Disney had produced at the time. He donated that to the school. And uh, he was also uh, all donated the, uh, the playground equipment as well. Uh, but he actually also sent one of his animators, Bob Moore, Disney legend Bob Moore, uh, he sent him to the school to draw murals all over the walls. Uh, and those murals are still there to this day. So if you're able to, uh, to get inside the school and take a look, uh, you can see those, uh, those same murals that Walt had commissioned for the Walt Disney Elementary School. See some of them through the window. Yeah, yeah. you can. Yeah. You can That's, do that. And it's so not. All I've gotten to do is peek through the front windows and say, look, there they are. Isn't and, cool? and even though it is an elementary school, it's not unusual for people to go by and look through the windows there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, but there's also, um, we have the Walt Disney Post Office in Marceline. And uh, in 1968, uh, two years after Walt passed away, uh, a, an official Walt Disney stamp was uh, was issued. And it was issued right, right out of that same post office. Uh, and then in 2004, uh, it was renamed the Walt Disney Post Office. Uh, it's the only federal building in the United States named after Walt. And uh, actually, uh, there may be some, uh, some enhancements coming to that uh, post office later this year. So, so Keep an eye out on our social media and things like that for any announcements coming that way. Uh, but then there's also... Uh Yes. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah. There's also a special cancellation at that post office. Uh, you have to go inside and get this hand, hand stamp cancellation, uh, which is a very uh, unusual thing for a post office to have, to have their own unique hand cancellation. Uh, but we do have one at the Walt Disney Post Office. Uh, we also have the Walt Disney Municipal Park, which is the same location that uh, that, Walt, that original pool that Walt dedicated uh, was at. Unfortunately, uh, the pool itself is not there anymore, uh, but the park itself is still there. And there's a really cool, uh, you know, sign with, with Walt signature and Mickey Mouse and things like that on there that's still there. Uh, so that's a really cool photo op. Uh, but then we also have Main Street USA. And our street signs have mouse ears on them. Uh, there was a picture of them uh, up here a second ago. But, uh, I'll find it. <laughs> but Marceline was really significant to Walt. And he actually you know, used Marceline in many of his future projects that he did later on, uh, one of those being Disneyland. Uh, when Walt built Disneyland, he wanted everybody to kind of have this nostalgic, uh, happy sense of attitude when they walked in. And for Walt, that was Marceline. And so that was his way of kind of replicating that, uh, that same sense of feeling towards his guests was to put them in that same same sort of mindset. Now, our Main Street USA doesn't look exactly like the Main Street USA at Disneyland. Uh, that is a little bit of a, of a um, romanticized version of what a town uh, looked like. Ours does look more like an actual real town, but 
uh, we are the original Main Street USA, and we do have those really cool street signs. And actually, Mickey Mouse came and unveiled those street signs for us, so that was really cool. Uh, well, and we, and um, our Main Street, well, you're Oh, no, you go ahead. Yeah. No, that's okay. Oh, that's the well, I, I didn't know what you were going to say, so. Well, our Main Street, if you go to Disneyland, Walt made that decision for you. You have to walk down Main Street, Marceline. You have to feel, have to have that feeling. After you walk down Main Street, then you can make your own choice of whatever park you're going to. But he made that decision for you, that you will walk down the main street of his hometown. Yeah. yeah, so like Disneyland is kind of basically set up with all of Walt's personal interests. You know, you've got his, his interest in animal and nature with Adventureland, his interest with storytelling and characters, you know, Fantasyland, and uh, his interest in uh, the future and technology with Tomorrowland. But in order to get to all of those elements of Walt, you have to start and end with Main Street, which was his connection to Marceline. So speaking of Disneyland, I have to share with you, uh, my very first job at Disneyland, Walt got me my very first job. Uh, when I turned 18, he contacted my dad, so I bet if Kay applied for a job, she would get one. And so I applied, and I did indeed get a job. But then Walt passed away that December, and I was supposed to go in June. So I didn't feel like I wanted to go because it wouldn't be the same. Um, so dad called Roy and told him, and then Roy called me. He said, you know, we have a job for you, and we're counting on you being here. <laughs> and so, of course, I went. Um, I had a wonderful time. And if any of you have been, ever been on the Carousel of Progress, okay. I was on the first crew of the Carousel of Progress when it first opened at Disneyland. Yeah, I thought I never wanted to hear that song again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I saw you. Oh, well. Uh, well, well, just to kind of give a, since you have the photo up right here. Um, so Marceline has actually housed two different uh, film premieres there. Uh, the first was in 1956, uh, as mentioned in the video. Walt and Roy uh, came and they uh, they premiered The Great Locomotive Chase, uh, which starred Fess Parker. Uh, obviously, he was huge at the time, being in Davy Crockett and everything. Uh, and then in 1998, uh, they premiered The Spirit of Mickey there. And uh, how many people were there that day? Oh my gosh, I should have brought a picture of that. I know my mom was there. Uh, there, there, there was like 40,000 people there that day. It was really cool. Yeah, and the Disney characters were there, and it was a, it was a, yeah, it was, it was a big day for Marceline. The first department store, her cash register broke. <laughs> <laughs> People wanted to buy anything that had Marceline on it, so she sold stuff she didn't say she sold for years. And there are still good things to buy. There's an antique store. Every time I go up there, I visit an antique store that's uh, right, right next to where they used to have a Toon Fest headquarters. It's a whole other different story. But there's an I've got like an original soundtrack for Peter Pan. Uh, I think I even found a Pinocchio album. But I've, there's always something in there that I can't afford. But it's, even just to look at the stuff in the antique uh, store, it's amazing some of the stuff that ends up in there. She has a whole vintage Disney section in there. Oh, it is fantastic. I love it. Magnolia Antiques. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. The, if you ever just visit... I mean, I, I was looking, I know I've got pictures where I've stood out in the middle of Main Street and just took a photo looking down it. Uh, there's... There's something just even magical about it being a small town. You walk down the street, and I usually go every year. It's, I'm, I was so happy this year I got a chance to go again because during COVID, I wasn't able to visit. I had gotten used to like an annual yearly pilgrimage. Uh, but you you can just walk down the street, and the, the people all know each other or something. They go, you'll walk down the street around the sidewalk, and people are like, oh, hey, Ned, you know, how you been? And there's like, oh, yeah, I don't know how the kids, they'll just start talking. And then there's this great little restaurant in, uh, there on Main Street called Ma Vicks that you can just sit in there and just people are just just listen to people coming by there's all so many the people are so neat around there it's just cool but there's just something there's, it feels like a tv show like yeah you know, honestly it's, yeah. it's like that it's like being in mayberry only with a disney twist where there's just there's just something magical about being there and knowing some of the history and knowing the the effects this had on walt disney and then what later if you were here on friday the effects that walt then had on animation as we, we go out into the rest of the world and on entertainment in general that you're like wow this place it was like a catalyst for sending Walt into the world and there's so many different places to see uh, like I, I had a picture up there earlier where uh, you, you're all familiar with Coke Corner and Disneyland I guess not okay well Coke Corner but there was I, I had the picture up earlier there was a Coca-Cola sign on this on the side of this building and I probably have a picture of the main building it's like a, I think it used to be a jewelry store or something wasn't it but you look at that that this corner store and you're like I swear I've seen this before 
it's it's like it's almost like walking through Disneyland where it doesn't quite look the same, but it feels the same. It just has that just it, I, I can't explain it. It just, but you just kind of feel it when you're there and you walk around and you go to the park and then when you go to see the barn and you go where unfortunately the dreaming tree isn't there anymore which uh, does everybody know the actual full story of the dreaming tree by the way they know what I'm talking about so there's people who don't I'm gonna toss that to you okay well, when Walt was a little boy his father thought his drawing was extra he shouldn't be doing that he should be doing chores so he had a very special place it was underneath this huge cottonwood tree where he very first started to draw, and he would go there and daydream. Now his little sister Ruth told me that he would make her a drawing, and then he'd make up a right good story to go along with it. So every time Walt would come back to Marceline, he had to visit his dreaming tree. And when he came back in 1956, it was so neat. I got to tag along on that visit, and I always knew I had to be behind the camera. But anyway, um, he saw, he looked at Roy and he goes, it's still there. And he was talking about his dreaming tree. So uh, something really cool is kind of a tribute to Walt's dreaming tree uh, with their new redo of Toontown in Disneyland. The focal point is the dreaming tree. Uh, so they're having this whole dreaming tree area in the park and uh, this giant roots coming up and, um, where children get to play and they're sharing that story with everybody that goes to the park. Yeah, and unfortunately, the Dreaming Tree, uh, the original Dreaming Tree, is not there anymore. However, um, uh, back in 2004, um, it, they, we were able to take a sapling of the Dreaming Tree, uh, and the son of the Dreaming Tree was planted by Walt Disney's grandson, uh, Brad Lund. And, uh, and that tree itself uh, is, it's getting there. It's over about 40 feet tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's getting there. Uh, not quite as massive as, as the original Dreaming Tree yet, but it'll get there. Well, it was when the Dreaming Tree actually got hit by lightning, the original. And when I heard it hit, I go, oh. So I went down there, it still looked okay. <laughs> so I looked at the back and it wasn't okay. So I called Karen Hedges, who was head of horticulture at Disney, and I told her what was wrong. They sent some people off from Disneyland and they go, there's nothing that you can do. And so what they predicted happened was exactly what happened. Um, limbs started falling off, but there was this huge trunk for a very long time. And it wasn't unusual to go down there and there, like one time I went down there, there was this little girl and she ran over, she threw her arms around the tree and she go, now I know where the tree in Pocahontas came from. <laughs> so, so, so everybody saw something different in the tree. You know, and that's that's where Walt had, you know, his, his wonderful times drawing down there. He felt that. Um, we also, when Disneyland was 50 years old, we presented a dreaming tree sapling uh, to Disneyland on uh, at their 50th anniversary and so it was it's planted there yeah it's no one knows exactly where it's, it's, it's kept a secret but there is a a, a sapling of the dreamy tree at disneyland they don't even tell me <laughs> but the fun thing about this is like okay this museum, every year I've gone, has had something new that I hadn't seen before. And it's worth taking your time and reading stuff. They have uh, this nice recording, and it's been, been kind of fixed up over the years, where uh, I think it was his parents, it was Flora and Elias' 50th anniversary. Uh, they were having their anniversary, and Walt wanted to go and document it, and he recorded the audio, and they're playing the audio for you in the museum, and they've now got transcription up so you can, you can read and see all this stuff. Oh, it's just so special. All the things that Walt wanted to do with for his family, you know, uh, it didn't always work out as well as he had liked. I won't get into that story. You need to go to the museum and read up on some of that. But you get to go and find out about his brothers and even the brother that Walt once said was probably smarter than him because he got a real job as a mailman. Uh, you know, but it's all in there and there's always something new. They have a great room in there that I, uh, every time I go in there, it's just a, it's just a kick. Because collectors will temporarily share some of their merchandise and memorabilia, and you'll see stuff you didn't even know existed, uh, records, lunch boxes, movie posters, statues, oh my goodness. And they have stuff from the parks, they have stuff from like some, when there's an anniversary at Disneyland, they'll have it up there on the wall, and there's so much to see in that museum, and uh, I mean, I, I, I think the first time I was there, I just spent hours there, and I ended up watching, they even show uh, the documentary that uh, Diane Disney Miller had put together with Dick Van Dyke hosting, and oh my goodness, you could spend all day in that museum. And then after you after you leave the museum, you know all the all the ins and outs of Marceline. When you get then you get out and walk around the town. 
I don't know, you just kind of, just I, I can't explain it other than when you just take it in. And when I finally got a chance to go back this year, it was like a homecoming. And I took a, I don't have any photos from this year, but I took, a, for those of you who are here on Friday, Philip, who was here with me, he hadn't been since, uh, I think, his honeymoon. And to see how much everything had changed even from that was like a brain rush. But just walking around in that town and then walking to the barn, going to see what's left of uh, the tree. Because you can kind of see it. It's laying down back there behind the fence. But then seeing, you know, Son of the Dreaming Tree. And I think there's even a daughter of Dreaming Tree I thought I saw last time. Didn't I see like another one? There's another one, but it's not a daughter. Oh, okay. There's <laughs> another one. I thought somebody got clear. All right, maybe in my brain, I, just, I made up my own head cannon. There you go. But it's it's for even if you're just a mild Disney fan, this will turn you into a fanatic for at least the man Walt Disney that that really created a lot of stuff that's really shaped a lot of our culture. Whatever you think of the modern Disney company, I mean, it's all it's all that vintage stuff. It's just it gets in your head as you walk down the street. And you're just going to have a smile on your face. And I even love to come visit. I went there on the 4th of July one year to stick around for the festivities in the park. And there's nothing like a small town 4th of July celebration. So much to where Main Street USA and Disneyland, it's supposed to be the 4th of July. Well, actually, can I elaborate on that a little bit? Please do. Yes. Okay. So um, the first time Walt ever saw fireworks uh, was in Marceline uh, over the 4th of July. Um, actually, um, Richard Sherman and Floyd Norman wrote a great book um, called A Kiss Goodnight uh, that tells this story. So good. But the first time that Walt saw fireworks was in Marceline uh, over that time. And, uh, and Walt you know, called it a, the perfect kiss goodnight because it was the, you know, the last thing he did before, before bed that night. And he always used that phrase, that kiss goodnight, as kind of that, uh, that, you know, that, just, uh, that cherry on top, you know, just that putting, putting that final bow mm -hmm. uh, on everything. And so when, uh, when the development of Disneyland was happening, uh, Walt said, uh, you know, we need that final kiss goodnight. Uh, and going back to the fireworks he you know, saw in Marceline as to why there's fireworks in the parks these days. And so thank us. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Enjoy the fireworks. Just remember, it all started in Marceline. There's there's a lot of stories that relate back to Marceline. Yep. Uh, you know, and if you, you get us rolling, you know, we'll just yeah. you know we can we can go there. But yeah, there's there's a lot of Disney history um, that you know takes its origins in in Marceline or has a Marceline connection there. And there's one event I meant to do this year and I keep forgetting because uh, last time I was there and it was during D23 and I went the wrong time. You weren't there, but your mama gave me a nice tour as oh. always. Her mom's a sweetheart. Uh, Inez Johnson's got stories too. My goodness. Um, but there was someone who had reminded me, like, the day after Thanksgiving, they have, what's it like, the, it's just the Peanut Festival or something, right? And so they have someone who's, I guess, supposed to be dressed somewhat as Santa, but not fully. But you can go and buy bags of peanuts, and they do all kinds of fun events. I have yet to be there, but I heard it's, I, I have to. It's fun. It's our kickoff to our Christmas season, and we don't know why we sell peanuts, but we sell, <laughs> we sell 4,000 bags of peanuts in... 50 minutes, no, 25 minutes. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a pretty quick turnaround. Yeah, it's a big thing. And there's horse-drawn wagon rides and a Yule log and carols in the park. And it's just a fun, small-town Christmas kickoff. And Santa turns on all of our lights downtown. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's just a fun, laid-back, nice Christmas evening. And it's only about a two-hour drive from here. You could do this as a day trip. Of course, I want to go in the evening when I want to see the lights all lit on because I bet that's gorgeous. And just, an, and just, is, a, yeah. just that small-town feeling. Even though I'm like, I'm still kind of a stranger to people, I almost want to just go and start regularly start having conversations with people. But they'd be like, who is this guy? He's a stranger. Yeah. No, they would, they would never question <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel, well, I'm shy, so I feel like I'd be the weird one. <laughs> but I've ended up talking to people. Though. You sit in Ma Vicks. You end up just talking to some of the people. The locals are so nice. Well, actually, I have a story about that. So oh, yes, I'm not please. I'm not a native to Marceline. I actually only moved there about a year ago. Um, and uh, one, one time when Walt came back, he judged a uh, beauty pageant, Miss Marceline. And uh, there's actually the, a, a photo that we have of Walt crowning the uh, the winner there with actually a young Kay uh, standing right there with the pillow. Uh, so in this uh, in this beauty pageant. Um, there was a, uh, well, actually, let me tell you the story about Ma Vick. So I was in Ma Vick's. I had just moved to Marceline. And uh, there was a, an, an elderly woman that approached me. She knew exactly who I was. I had never seen her before. Uh, she, but she came up to me and she said, uh, Museum guy. Yeah, everybody, yeah, that's how everybody knew me there. But uh, she approached me and she said, uh, Well, you know that beauty pageant that, that Walt Disney judged? She said, I, I was in that. And I said, Oh, I would love to see a photo. And she just, she has one laminated in her purse at all times. Uh, but she whipped it out and she showed me. 
and it was just like that was just such a cool uh, experience and just such a unique you know kind of a that hometown feeling it's like this is the perfect way to get acclimated to Marceline and kind of to understand what the people and the culture is like you know um, just that uh, that small town vibe yeah I, that reminds me of that like I got I got to find the photo of the feller there he is and I don't have, I always forget his name, but uh, the funny thing, so this picture over his shoulder, which I think was somewhat staged, wasn't it? Where they, they had a little boy that there that they went and kind of was fishing off of this bridge. Uh, but I was actually there that day. Uh, I had convinced my father and stepmother, oh, you got to come up here. And so I was actually sitting table there in Mavics talking to them, talking, and I was pointing out the pictures like, oh yeah, this is like this little boy that Walt and Roy came around, they fished, and well, there's the little boy all grown up. And it's, I think his name is Jim? Jim Payton. Jim Payton, yeah. So, and I got, you know, I actually recorded the story and actually put it on the podcast a long time ago, but you never know who you're going to run into. There are people in this town that were, were kids, and there some were in the museum that were kids when Walt was going presenting the, the great uh, railroad, I keep wanting to call it the railroad chase, chase yeah. the great locomotive chase. Uh, you never know what you're going to, you can learn so much just by talking to the people in the museum. Yeah, we had a D23 event there, and we had... Uh, brought in all the people and they just did like two minutes and told their story because at that time there were so many people in Marceline that still had first-hand knowledge and had a personal experience of Walt's many visits back to Marceline and there, everybody there was like wow you know there's no other little place that has that many people that actually met Walt Disney or interacted with him and so that was really fun we had a really good time with that one yeah everybody has that personal mm -hmm. that personal connection there yeah, and it's almost, you almost want to like, like, oh, hey, there's the Disney on you. And so you're kind of like, kind of reminds me when I, when I first got married and we, you know, we, uh, my wife and I were like joined at the hip and we had people at my church that were just like, here, rub some of that over onto my husband, get him to hang around with me more. But it's almost like that same, it's like Disney by proxy, like, you knew Walt. And so you want to get the stories. You're just like, ah. So, yeah. Well, I, honestly, that was, uh, I, so her mom, Inez, uh, was actually kind of what convinced me to move to Marceline. Uh, uh, no, but I, I had been in the, uh, you know, in like an audience where somebody who worked with Walt or something like that was giving a presentation, but I had never actually been able to talk to somebody on a personal level who knew him on a personal level until I met her mom, Inez, on my first trip to, uh, to Marceline. And it was just like that experience was literally life-changing for me. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. How summer happened to get to Marceline is he shares a birthday with Walt Disney. Really? Yes. So he had promised himself if he came to Marceline, he was coming on their birthday. So Walt came, you came back to Marceline on your birthday, did the whole thing, and uh, well, then you, you tell the rest. Well, I met her mom, and, uh, and I, well, going to Marceline was... It was a, a kind of a pilgrimage for me. It was a place I'd always wanted to go to, because uh, obviously I've been a big Disney person my whole life. Um, and uh, it was always a place I wanted to go, and I wanted to go on that day. And so I was finally able to get there and met your mom, and that was a, a, a completely life-changing experience. And um, you know, I knew that going to Marceline would be a memorable experience for me, but I had no idea uh, you know, kind of what I was in for. But so I, I met her mom, and... Uh, went back home and uh, the day I got back home I was going to send the museum an email just and just explain how great of an experience I had uh, because I was talking to her mom and she would say okay well go look at the museum you know you know don't let me talk to you for all day and then she would pop her head around the corner and she'd say well can I tell another story and I'd be like yes please you know so I ended up talking to her mom for a, a large portion of the day so I uh, was going to write the museum an email just to thank them for the experience that I had and open up their website to get their email address. And literally that day they had posted that they were looking for an operations manager at the museum. So I thought, well, I got to apply for this. So <laughs> I had no idea that uh, when I went there to visit, I would actually end up moving there, you know, three months later. But I did. So <laughs> well, I've told my wife, it's like one of these days I'm just going to throw up everything and I'm going to I'm going to move over there, too, because there's schools over there. My wife's a teacher. I was like, there's schools that could use high school teachers. Only thing is, I you know I'm I'm weird now because I I went from working in uh, because of the podcast I ended up working in radio and now eventually I'm working in television over in St. Joe, which I can't get anybody in St. Joe convinced the news director to, 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 that they should have come down here. But I remember one time I showed up at Toonfest, somebody from that TV station yeah. had come over there, so I'm thinking, well, of course you guys, it's a little different though this year. But I'm thinking we got to get over there again. But you know, if there was a TV station over there, or I know there's a radio station, but it's a country station. I'm not a country fellow, but I can fake it. Well, like, there one is, of these days, I'm probably going to move. Well, I was going to say, there is going to be plenty of opportunity uh, in the next few months uh, for you to come up there. We are going to be having a few events. Uh, stay tuned with our uh, social media presence, because we are going to be making announcements, uh, actually, 
later this week and next week um, about some things that are coming up. Um, but uh, you know, you can talk about like. June. Okay. No, you're talking about May and All right. July. Well, Go ahead. All right. Yeah. So, uh, so in May, uh, at the beginning of May, uh, we're going to have. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the, with him or not, but Garner Holt. Uh, he is a uh, he. He has his own company, Garner Holt Productions. Um, he does not work for Disney, but Disney contracts him out. So essentially, uh, any of the animatronics that you see in a Disney park today, he made. Uh, him and his and his workshop made. Uh, so Garner Holt will actually be there uh, giving a presentation and uh, and speaking with um, some people in Marceline um, about how you know maybe he can have a, a stronger presence there. And then in uh, July, we're actually going to be visited by uh, Leslie Iwerks, uh, Ub Iwerks' his granddaughter, and uh, Marcy Smothers. Marcy Smothers, um, Smothers Brothers, if you guys are familiar with that, married to Tommy Smothers. Uh, so Marcy Smothers is a Disney historian, has written several books on Wall, and her uh, most recent book is uh, The 100 Disney Adventures of a Lifetime. And Marceline is one of those 100 Disney adventures. Uh, so both Marcy and Leslie will be there uh, for a book signing as as well as a presentation and then uh, in June June is going to be a pretty big event and uh, this is something that we'll, we'll be announcing a little bit more details on later uh, this week and next week but June uh, is going to be essentially um, the whole event is going to surround a clock dedication. So there is a clock uh, on Main Street at Magic Kingdom, uh, and it is a clock that's branded by Citizen's Watches. Uh, Citizen is the official uh, Disney, um, or the official timekeeper of Disney. Uh, so Citizen's is a Disney Alliance partner, and they uh, they made a replica clock, a 16-foot tall clock, that they are going to be donating in Marceline. So we are going to have the dedication ceremony, uh, and we're going to have a, a, a larger event built around that day with a street fair, and then we're there's also going to be a, an event that night on the Disney farm that will be a hard ticketed event. And there, that, uh, the tickets for that will be available uh, in, the, in the next week or two. In September. Oh, yes. And of course, September, we have our biannual uh, Dreaming Tree Gala. So in September, that will be another big event for us with some, uh, some, some Disney legends that will be there uh, to be our, our, our keynote speakers for that. So, uh, so we're going to have a, so a pretty big year coming up in the next few months. It usually is. I mean, heck, I've come up there one time. You had, uh, oh, darn it, my brain just went out the window of what they call them. But some of the people who were there, the 55 Club in it, the oh, people yeah, who were there at Disneyland, yeah. they had, uh, what, Tom Nab, Nab or Nabe? Nabby. Nabby. I always get that wrong. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm so bad with names and everything, but you know, getting to meet them, some of the, especially uh, selling, telling stories of being like the very first Tom Sawyer at Tom Sawyer Island and how that came to be, they're, the, the guests they have in there are fantastic. It's worth the ticket money. Some of the expense, some of these are pretty expensive, but they're awesome. They're totally worth going up there and spending an overnight. There's a nice uh, the the hotel that I had stayed at wasn't that great, but it's been bought by some new people apparently who fixed it up. Okay, so the the hotel Marceline uh, was bought by this wonderful guy in Florida and uh, all the rooms now are Disney themed. So mm -hmm. all the rooms have furniture from... From the Disney resorts, yeah. Disney res resorts in it. So, yeah, you can stay in yep. Animal Kingdom. You can stay in Pop Century. You can stay in... So it's, it's fun. I lived in the so, Wilderness Lodge room for a while when I first moved to Marceline, yeah. <laughs> so come to one of the events and stay overnight. Do you yeah, have a question? Just a couple minutes. Well, actually, um, I used to work at Stevens College this mm -hmm. many years ago, and they had a collection there on Maude. Yeah, yeah. Pan. Allegedly, was Peter Pan in the production? Walt saw yeah. yes. uh, inspired how he portrayed Peter Pan in his films. I just, I just stumbled across that when I was working there. I've, I worked in our, have worked in archives um, years after that, but that was so fascinating. It to is, me. yeah. She and it's something I'd like to. I have a, I have a YouTube channel, and that's something I kind of like to look into. I do history stuff. And I probably will be visiting all of you in Marceline at some point. As you should. <laughs> so, well, uh, well, you know, Walt actually uh, uh, approached Maude Adams to be a consultant on his version of Peter Pan when he was originally doing that, yeah. They actually had some sort of relationship professionally, but um, I don't... I haven't looked into it enough to know that much about it yet, but it's definitely... He can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> that was up. I miss Toon Yeah. So uh, do I. Yeah, what, what happened to Toon was pretty much COVID. <laughs> and then we got busy doing other things. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Toon we did a cartooning festival for 25 years. And we had everybody from Mort Walker, Beetle Bailey, to Pete Doctor, Pixar. We had... 
we had some really great guys. I went through the, the showroom today, marketplace today, hoping, because last time I was here, there were some guys that had been to Toonfest that were down there drawing. So I was hoping they didn't, there was none of our none of our alumni down there this time, but it would be. We're, we we kind of considered doing it again off and on, but it was, man, it was a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> so, it was, I, I miss it too, though. We yeah. had fun doing that. It was magic, especially if you've never been to a small town parade where they, they march it down one direction, turn around, and come back the other side. Yeah, so you get yeah. to see both halves of it. Yeah, because our downtown's only three blocks long. So <laughs> we, we turn around and come back, and our cartoonist all thought that was such a hoot. <laughs> yeah. The parade turned around. And that was one of the things that made me nervous this last time I went. I was like, I normally I used to come up for Toon Fest all the time, and now there's no Toon Fest. But, you know, it's still just as magical without a Toon Fest. Just being in that town and going to that museum and seeing the barn and everything, I was just as happy and thrilled being there. It is truly a magical place. And if you've never visited, i got two minutes to tell you once again, go. It's only a two-hour drive. You can do it as a day trip. You will love every minute of it. I will promise you that. Uh, well, as I've been trying to also show you, make sure you go WaltDisneyMuseum.org. I don't know why the Facebook page didn't go up, but okay, they have a Facebook and Instagram. Some of you I gave cards to ahead of time. If yeah. you didn't get one, come see us because there's a QR code on the back that you can click and it'll take you to our site so you can find all kinds of information. And I do have my business card up here. I, I forgot to hand them out on Friday. Neverlandpodcast.com. Even though it's not quite the name of the show anymore, come check us out. We're right now. It's Neverland the Phantom Nexus. It's not as much Disney coverage as it was before, but we still have a lot of fun making the show. And you can even order this shirt for anyone who gets this. Uh, my last interview with Phil Lawler, if anyone's familiar with Adventures in Odyssey, there's a lot of people who have voiced Disney uh, cartoons that have been on Adventures in Odyssey. And I had him on here, and we had a nice discussion of... Uh, some ways to show love to other people. So but that will wrap us up, I figure, because uh, they're beeping at me back there. Okay. So thank well, you so if, much for coming. If you guys have any questions or anything like that, feel free to come approach us, and yeah, we'll be happy to. We'll be yeah, yeah. And that is going to wrap up our show for this week. I do plan on coming back. Hopefully, maybe next weekend we'll get another show. I would like to be able to get back to weekly, but we've been kind of bi-weekly. Uh, got a lot of things I didn't really get into this week that happened with some new trailers. Plus, I got to see the new Super Mario Brothers movies, and I'll share some thoughts on that. And I think I'm going to try to find a Mario big fan expert to maybe help us out to talk about some history of Mario. And I'll plan to hopefully do that next weekend and get that show out to you and have some more fun. But make sure you are sharing this show with others. Uh, we have lost a lot of audience members and the show has kind of shrunk down here over the past few years, and I would like to get it back up and strong. We're, a, we're kind of a new show, new format, but so make sure you're sharing this friend with others if you're having a good time here. Make sure you visit our Patreon page. It's all found at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can find links to our shop where I've got all kinds of fun little shirts for you. You can visit our Patreon, which I'm going to update the Patreon a bit. And uh, I think I need to... Someone tell me I need to raise my uh, my levels on there. So I'm going to do uh, slightly higher levels. And I'm going to try to create a bit more exclusive content. You know, so if I have some immediate thoughts on something I've seen online or whatever, and I want to share it, I'll put it there. Uh, I'll put a lot of different exclusive things. I'm going to start working on that. Uh, I'm you know trying to find time to do all this. Uh, it's been hard to balance life and uh, and doing this show. But you know what? I need this. I want to step this show back up. I want to bring it back to its former glory and maybe even go it further. So make sure you're sharing this show. That is one of the best ways to share it to to help grow the show is by you sharing it with people saying, hey, I really enjoy this show. Uh, when I post it on the Facebook, because we, we do have a, a Twitter page and Facebook fan pages, group pages. Uh, and when you share that, I when I post an episode, that does help us. It gets it under the eyes of more people and can bring more people in to have some more fun with us. And feel free, please do contact the show, podcast and everlandpodcast.com. And of course, other methods. You know, I'm on Instagram as the Spider Pan. Uh, we do have a YouTube gaming channel that uh, you can see when I, I share some gaming videos over there. Uh, sometimes a little uh, darker content than what we're going to have here and uh, pod, uh, on, on the podcast because I do play things like Resident Evil 4 Remake. And uh, I'll have a little bit of video of that. I didn't want to spoil too much of that game, so I haven't shared a whole lot of it. Um, but, yeah, a lot of gaming videos out at the official Neverland Gaming Channel on YouTube. You can also find Neverland Podcast on YouTube as well. So that's pretty much everything. I don't really have it in my, no my notes in front of me, but that's pretty much running down everything we usually do at the end of the show other than thanking the people to help us make our introduction. So, of course, we always end the show by telling you to get lost in an adventure. And I will see you next time.